Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our Christmas series, which is in honor of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, yet Christmas was never intended to be a season, but rather a moment of transformation. In this series, we look at the Grinches of the first Christmas and how we can avoid the same traps that can steal Christmas from our lives. There were three brothers, and all three brothers were very successful in life, and they were getting together and they were sharing what they were going to do for their aging mother for Christmas. Here's what the first brother said. You know, uh, we grew up in a really ratty old home that mom still lives in. And since I've been very successful financially, I've decided to do something nice for mom for Christmas. I have built her the home of her dreams. It's really quite beautiful. It's a lot of money, but I believe mom's worth it. And I believe she has earned this beautiful home. The second brother said, well, I don't want to brag and I don't want to try to updo you, but as you know, I've been very successful as well. And I have a connection with Mercedes Benz. And I called them up and I said, I want not only the best car you have, but I want a special one of a kind built just specifically for mom in her favorite color. And she is absolutely going to love it. And they were all very, very impressed with the second brother. And then the third brother was kind of quiet. And this is what he said, you know, wow, I, I don't mean to put you on the defense here, but I, I think I got one that's going to have you all beat. You all know how our mom loves to read the Bible, but as she's getting older, it's harder for her to read the Bible and she can't see it as well. So here's what I did. I did some research and there is a parrot that has lived with a group of monks for the last 12 years. And these monks have trained this parrot every single verse in the entire Bible. Literally, all you have to say to this parrot is the book, the chapter, and the verse. And the parrot will read it for you. Mom is absolutely going to love it. This parrot is going to read the Bible to her. Isn't that awesome? And the other two brothers, of course, were very impressed. Well, Christmas came. Mom got her gifts. And she decided to write three thank you cards to each one of her sons. To her first son, this is what she wrote. Dear Charlie, I know you meant well. The house is beautiful. But honestly, at my age, I don't get around very well. And to be honest with you, I've only actually been in one room of the house so far. I haven't even seen the rest of the house. Thank you so much for your thoughtful gift. But really, it was too much. To the second boy, she said, thank you so much for your generous gift of the car. But as you know, I can hardly see. And so, to be honest with you, I haven't even been in the car let alone do I think I will ever be able to drive the car. I know you spend a lot of money on it. I know it's very nice. And I very much appreciate all the effort that you put in. But quite honestly, I don't think I'm going to use it. To her third son, she wrote, My dearest son, you know your mom so well and got me exactly what I wanted. Thank you so much for the chicken. It tasted delicious. Now, some of you are still catching up with that. <laughs> Here's what I tell you that story for. If money were no object, if you had unlimited access to resources this Christmas, what would be your deepest desire to give this Christmas? Would it be to give someone you love a brand new car? 
What would it be to, to build a brand new home and give it to a family in need? Or, or maybe there's, there's children who aren't going to have presents that you would buy everything on their wish list for. Maybe there's families who are, have kids in the hospital that you would go and you would bless them or give them medical care or maybe pay their medical bills. Maybe you would go to the homeless and, and, and provide for them. What would it be if money were no object and you could give any gift this Christmas? What would you decide to give? And here's what I want to say. The very first Christmas, the one gift that the entire nation of Israel wanted more than anything else was to hear from God. That very first Christmas, the one gift that they needed that was greater than any amount of financial worth would be a word from God. Because you see, up until that point, they had not heard a word from God in over 400 years. The last time a prophet had spoke was the book of Malachi. And at the time of the first Christmas, that was 400 years since they had heard from God. And so that was the one desire of the people that first Christmas. And if you're a guest, we've been in a series called Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And we've been looking at the Christmas narrative in an entirely different way. Using the background of the story, we've been looking at some of the first Grinches of the first Christmas narrative. And again, if you missed it, I want you to go back. You can watch online. You go to our website, yankton.church, also our YouTube channel, and go back and watch it. The first week, we looked at the Grinchiest of all Grinches. That was King Herod. And you can learn how he tried to prevent the first Christmas from ever happening. And last week, we looked at the Grinch that I, I made the statement that doesn't even really exist in the Christmas narrative. We've kind of made this Grinch up. And that was the Grinch of the innkeeper. The guy who would say, there's no room for baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph on that first Christmas. Well, today, we are going to look at the third Grinch of the first Christmas narrative. And, and I would contend, above all the other Grinches, this is the one that I most relate to. And, and what we've been saying throughout this series is, all of these Grinches have something that are in our hearts too as well that we need to look at. And of all the Grinches so far, this is the one that I needed to understand the most as well. And that was the Grinch by the name of Zechariah. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke chapter one, and one of my prayers throughout this Christmas is that you will actually read the Christmas narrative. Go to Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 and read for yourself the Christmas narrative. And we learn about Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. And before we look at that, I want to give you three facts about Zechariah. Three facts about Zechariah that are also true about us. Here's the first one. He was faithful. Zechariah was faithful. Luke 1 beginning in the fifth verse. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, were faithful servants of God. But they had a problem. And in verse 7, we learn what that problem was. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very, very old. Just a common family in a common town. 
living an ordinary life. And God was about to move in a mighty way. And 400 years of silence were about to be broken. And Elizabeth and Zachariah's life would be impacted. And church, I don't want you to miss this. No matter where you're at, no matter how dark your life seems right now, no matter how much hurt and pain you've experienced, I want you to know my God can use that for his glory. And this Christmas might be just like it was for the first Christmas for Elizabeth and Zechariah, and God will use it in a mighty way. Verse 8 goes on to say, Once Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Just to give you a little background, at this time in the first century in Israel, there was approximately 20,000 different priests. And one priest, one time a year, would be chosen to go to the temple and go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice before God. This was a big deal. Again, one priest, once a year, 20,000 priests, and Zechariah had been chosen. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. It was a really big deal. And I just wonder, what if church was like that for us? See, what as we're looking forward into 2021, I wonder what it would look like if we saw every single Sunday as an opportunity to be in God's presence. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. There's 52 Sundays that are going to be coming up in 2021. And I wonder what it would look like if we had that attitude that Zachariah had. And can I just be honest with you, church? It hurts my heart. When I hear God's people think of Sunday as optional. Now, I understand there's people who, there are nurses, there are doctors, there are police officers, and we want you to stay on duty during those times. So I get it that there's times when you can't be in church. But are you making a priority throughout your week? That's why we put messages online, so you don't have to miss out. And whatever day that is, I hope it's Sunday, but if it can't be for some other circumstance, what day do you honor God? Because going into God's presence is a big deal. Back in Zechariah's day, there was a priest that had to go on behalf of the people to God. And the greatest thing about Christmas is now Jesus has made a way for you and I to go directly to God. We don't need a priest anymore. We can be the priest. Look at what 1 Peter says in chapter 2. And this summer, we talked a lot about this. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Zechariah was a faithful priest. He understood his moment to stand in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, and he wanted to make the most of it. And Luke reminds us again in verse 6, both of them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Church, God selects the faithful to hear his call. And so the question you and I need to ask this Christmas, am I faithful? Am I faithful with God when I'm at work? Do I do what God calls me to when I'm at home with my spouse, with my kids? Am I a faithful servant of God at my school? Am I faithful at my church? And am I a faithful servant of God when no one's looking? Because when no one's looking, God is still looking. 
And we talked about this last week. Many times in our lives, we like to give lip service. We like to say we're faithful, but do our actions display that as well? See, Zacharias and Elizabeth's actions did say that as well. They were faithful. Here's the second thing about Zechariah that we need to know. Zechariah was fearful. Look at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Church, I want you to picture this. Zechariah is in the Holy of Holies. Out of 20,000 priests, one priest once a year gets to go in the Holy of Holies. Remember this? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And to top it off, God has not spoke to the people of Israel in 400 years. Zechariah is in there at that moment, and an angel appears. And what is his response? <laughs> Fear. How quickly we can shift from being faithful to fearful. Can anyone else relate to that? Boy, I know I can. There's times in my life where I'm faithful and I'm serving God and everything's going great and all of a sudden something will happen and I'll start freaking out. Why do we do that? Because we're being fearful, not faithful. Verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. This is a big deal because the angel would go on to say that John would be the voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Messiah. Going back to the book of Malachi, the last word from God said, I am going to send my Messiah. They will come. And before they come, there will be a voice calling in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Messiah, Jesus. And the angel just told Zechariah, not only will there be a miracle that you and Elizabeth are going to conceive, you're going to have a son. But this son is going to be named John, and he is going to be the one that Malachi spoke about that's going to prepare the way for the Savior to come. How does Zechariah respond to that? And this is what makes him the Grinch of today. Verse 18, Zechariah asks the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man. And my wife is well along in years. Now, Zechariah was a very, very smart man. Here's how we know that. Because he said, I am an old man and my wife is along in years. Okay, He didn't call his wife old. Husbands, take note of that. Okay, Even if you're old, but my wife, she's not old. She's just along in years. <laughs> Zechariah is a smart man. But, but it's the first part of the question we want to focus on. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? And look at the angel's response. In verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. There was a consequence for Zechariah's fearful response to God's word and God's good news. And the response was he wasn't able to speak. Now, one of the beauties of Christmas is Jesus came to forgive us. And that forgiveness that we accept removes the stain and the guilt of our sin. But the fact of the matter is there are still consequences in our lives. I've heard it said, how can God, why does God punish people? Why does God punish people? And I would say to this, 
God doesn't punish anyone. God will allow us to suffer the consequences of our sins. Because sometimes the best teacher can be pain. Sometimes the greatest teacher you and I can have is pain. Look at what Hebrews 12, 11 says. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. No parent I've ever met has wanted to hurt their child. In fact, most parents would do anything they can for their child and to help them grow and be protected. And God is no different as our Heavenly Father. But as our Heavenly Father, as our earthly parents, as sometimes we need to help our kids recognize that their choices have consequences, God will allow us to face the choices of our consequences. He doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't take pleasure from it. But He wants us to learn and to grow and get better. And Zacharias question one more time. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? When you have fear, what you're really doing is you're listening to the Grinch. And we've said this before, there is a Grinch that still exists. It's the enemy. He wants to seek, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy and devour everything in your life. And what he'll do more than anything is he'll create doubts that cause fear. And I've heard it, I've seen it, I've watched it. He will slowly take away all that Christmas is about when we begin to doubt and we begin to fear. And I've been saying this throughout the series, and I hope you recognize this, church. Christmas was never intended to be a season that we just celebrate. It's intended to be a point of transformation. And when we fully understand Christmas, when we overcome our fear and we have that faith, Christmas will last 365 days a year. But Zechariah had a question. He said, how can I be sure of this? Now, I want to go ahead in Luke 1 and go all the way to verse 26. Do you remember how I just said it would have been 400 years since God had spoke to his people? Well, it wouldn't be 400 years again because right after God had appeared, the angel appeared to Zechariah in the Holy of Holies. An angel appeared to a young girl named Mary. And Many of us know that Mary was probably no older than a teenager. We definitely know she was basically a very young woman. And we also know that Mary was a relative of Elizabeth. And she was pledged to be married to Joseph. And in verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And you're probably familiar, the angel goes on to tell Mary about the birth of Jesus and how he is going to be the savior of the world. So here we have it, folks. We have two people related to each other. And an angel appears to both of them. And both were told of an impossible birth that was about to happen. And remember Zechariah's question? Zechariah's question was, how can I be sure of this? Look at what Mary says in response to the angel in verse 34. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, I just want to stop here for a minute and say something. Have you ever read something in scripture and not understood it? If you have, you're in good company. I've been a follower of Jesus Christ my whole life. I've shared that before. I've studied God's word, I can say honestly, for over 35 years. 
I've read the Bible countless times. I'm a pastor. I studied it. I prepare for God's Word. And, and why I tell you all that is because I haven't arrived yet. When I open God's Word, there's still things that I need to learn. There's still things that I need to understand. And if I don't understand something in Scripture, here's what I've learned. It's not that Scripture's wrong. <laughs> Every time that happens, I approach Scripture saying, okay, here is something that I need to learn. And I would challenge you to do the same thing. And why am I telling you all this? I read this passage probably about six months ago in my personal, my personal Bible study. I read about the angel appearing to Zechariah, and I read about the angel appearing to Mary. And I've read this before many times. But about the last time I read this passage, something struck me that never struck me before. And this is what I wondered. I looked at Zechariah's question, right? He said, how can I be sure of this? Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? And Zechariah can't speak until John the Baptist is born. But Mary asked a question too, didn't she? Mary asked the question, how will this be? And the angel's response to Mary was, she's highly favored among women. I didn't get that. It really kind of struck me. And, and, I, and I, I thought about that for quite a while. I thought, man, what does that really mean? Now, one of the things that I've also learned is when I, as a pastor, when I'm wrestling with the passage, probably not a good time to preach on it. <laughs> as you said, I, this was probably six months ago that this happened to me, and I've been working through this in my own mind. And I want to explain something to you, and, I, and I'll give you the bottom line, and then I'll unpack it for you. Here's what I want you to understand. It's not the question that's the problem. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not the question that's the problem. It's the intention of the question. Now, here's what I mean by that. Zechariah asked the question, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? Now, the word how that Zechariah says there is the word kata. Now, we're going to go back to ninth grade English for just a second, okay? Kata is a preposition. And what a preposition requires is it requires an object. What's the object in this question? Zechariah. <laughs> I, to, to, to make it simple, literally what Zechariah is asking God is he says, how can I know that I know? That's the literal translation. How can I, the focus, know that I know? God, I want to be 100% certain before I will. God, I need to know. How can I know that I know before this happens? And I, and I just want to help you with something. This was God's message to Zechariah. This was God's message to me. And I want you to be understand this too as well, church. God will never accept my conditions. He doesn't need to. He's God. He will always be the focus. I don't need to know that I know. I need to know the one who knows. Amen? How can I be sure of this? That's the wrong question. So let's look at for a second at Mary's question. How is Mary's question different? That was my question. How is Mary's question different? And let's look at it again. Mary asked the question, how will this be? Now again, going back to ninth grade English class, you ready with me? The word how is actually translated the word pas. And pas, unlike kata, is an adverb. An adverb requires action. Remember a preposition, the focus is the object, which is I. An adverb requires an action. And again, just to simplify it for you, this is what Mary's asking. Mary's asking, how will this be? Basically, how can I serve this purpose? What do I need to serve? God, how can I be a part of what you're going to do? Do you see the difference? 
versus how can I know that I know because I want to be sure before I do anything versus Mary saying, God, what, what needs to be done? How can I be a part of that? I, I even joked a little bit to say, Mary might even ask the question, do I need to go get knocked up? I mean, I'm a virgin. You say I have to have a baby. Do I need to go? And I like Joseph. We can make this happen. But, and I say that in kidding, but for Mary to say that, please understand at that time, that was a death sentence for Mary. Young women who had sex outside of marriage, committed adultery, could be drugged in the street and stoned. Mary knew that by signing up for that, she was signing up for her death sentence. And we know that Joseph was a righteous man and he wanted to divorce Mary quietly and not put her through that public shame. That's why Mary didn't actually get killed for being pregnant and unmarried. But what did that do to her socially? We know that Mary was actually an outcast for the rest of her life. Because although we know that the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus, do you think the neighbors thought that? Do you think that people at church thought that? Or do you think, that, yeah, sure, son of God, right? <laughs> Mary paid a high price for that church, and I want to know, would we do the same? And she willingly said, this is what can I do. God, how can I do that? And think about this. Zechariah was a priest. Zechariah had served God his entire life. And he he asked God, God, I need to know that I know. Mary was a child. She was a teenage girl. And she said, God, I'll do whatever it takes, even to the point of death. And my question to you, church, is which one are you? Which one am I? Am I the one that asks God, God, I need to be sure. God, I need to know that I know. Or am I the one that looks at God and says, God, thy will be done. You know what God has put in my heart? I want to reach this community for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want every man, woman, and child in Yankton, South Dakota to know that there's a God that loves them and there's a church that will accept them. And this is what God said to me, Jeff, what if you preach your guts out and you serve for 30 years and your church stays just like this? But as a result of your faithfulness, the next generation explodes, but you never lived to see it, Jeff. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay planting the seeds that you never get to see the harvest from, but knowing that I am faithful in my word and I will call that? Jeff, would you be okay with that? And the answer is absolutely. And that's the question I want to ask you. And that's why I can relate to Zechariah so much. Because we look around and we see what we see and we think, oh God, how can I know that I know? That's the wrong question. The right question is, God, how will this be? What can I do to serve? And am I willing to lay my life down trusting that God will never let that fail? Church, which question are you asking? And and to help Mary out, look at what the angel says in verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month of pregnancy. And don't miss this, church. For no word from God will ever fail. There's two questions this Christmas that we can ask. And one's out of fear and one's out of faith. How can I be sure of this? How can I know that I know? Or are we going to be like Mary and say, how will this be? Here's the third thing that we can know about Zechariah. And I believe is also true about us. Zechariah was forgiven. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months 
and then she returned home. This little sentence here, I think, is one of the most underrated, neglected passages of the entire Christmas narrative. And I, I want to take a moment to unpack this for you and help you understand this. And here's what I want you to think about. How many of you have ever had family come over and stay with you? How many of you are having family maybe come and stay with you this Christmas for a little while, right? Now, I don't know how that goes, but sometimes it can cause some issues. You've heard the statement before, guest and fish both start to stink after three days, all right? And we can agree with that. Some of you might think your family, it might not take three days. It might take three hours, okay? Don't look at them right now. Don't talk. Okay, here's my point. Mary stayed with Elizabeth and Zechariah for three months. <laughs> and the entire time, Zechariah couldn't say a word. Now, all the husbands in the room are like, yeah, it's when my wife's sister comes over, it's about that. And they talk all the time. I don't get a word in edgewise. Don't, don't laugh at that joke, all right? Just completely deny it right now. But here's what I want here's what I wondered when I thought about that one little fact that little Mary stayed there for three months in Zachariah's house. I wondered if every time Zachariah looked at Mary, he was reminded of his missed opportunity. There he stood in the Holy of Holies, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a priest. God had not spoken 400 years. An angel appears to him, and what was his response was fear. It was fear. And then an angel appears to this little girl, Mary, and her response was faithfulness. I wonder if that bothered Zechariah. I wonder if he continually thought about that during those three months. See, here's what I would contend. Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. It's full of many happy, pleasant memories that we make and traditions with families as well. But Christmas can also be a season filled with regrets. Another year of being divorced. And all those promises of the marriage that you hope to have are now broken, and, and now your kids are in two different homes. The lost dreams of, of what one day could have been and now will never be. Or maybe you're experiencing the loss of a loved one who is there every Christmas, and maybe this is the first Christmas they won't be there, and you have to experience that hurt and that pain. Maybe it's the missed opportunities that you've had in your life, and you look back and you think, man, what could have been? We think of the very famous uh, Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, which is based on that whole idea, the idea of Christmas past and the ghost that comes up and that haunts us of the decisions that we made in our past that are now impacting our current presence. I wonder if Zechariah felt that way every time he looked at Mary and thought, man, what could have been, what God could have done in my life if I would have stayed faithful in church? Please don't miss this. My God is a God of second chances. And this is something I absolutely love about Christmas, and we need to grab hold of this. It's the anticipation. It builds for the entire month. And Zachariah knew that his son would be born and would come into the world, and he would have another opportunity. Church, I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know who you are or what you've done. This Christmas, God is a God of second chances, and he will provide a way for that to happen. And that happened to Zechariah, because Zechariah can be forgiven. Verse 57 says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Think about this moment of joy. After struggling with years of infertility and being well along in age, Elizabeth and Zechariah get to celebrate the birth of their son, John. 
And instead of experiencing joy and anticipation, they instead have to face arguments. Because Luke would go on to tell us that Elizabeth shared that the baby's name would be John. Because the angel said so. Because, you know, God told us that's what we're going to name our son. And their loving, wonderful friends and family and neighbors said, His name shouldn't be John. No one in your family's named John. Why are you going to name John? That's a stupid name. Elizabeth, you're not going to name your child John. Why would we do that? Sound familiar? How many times has our joy been stolen by the opinion of others? And church, I'm going to tell you something, and it might kind of hurt. If you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, it means you're going to have to stand up against the crowd. It means you're going to have to do and say some things that might put you on the outside of some relationships. But you've got to decide, do you care more about the opinion of man or following God? And Elizabeth, as we know, cared more about God than the opinion of man. And Zechariah saw his moment of redemption. In verse 62, they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the child to be named. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. And the argument stopped immediately and the child's name was John. Church, again, I don't care who you are, what you've done. My God is the God of second chances. And this Christmas should be a season to celebrate and a point of transformation. And when you get it, when you understand it like that, it's going to impact everyone around you. Although it might not be the most popular thing, it might put you on the outside of some relationships, just as Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. And Zechariah experienced the moment of fearfulness, just like you and I have too. And boy, I've had times of faith. I've had times of fear. And I've struggled with that as well. But here's the thing that we need to understand that Zechariah can teach us. He was forgiven. So as we close, how can I be sure of this? Is that the question? Do I need to know that I know? Or is our question going to be rather that of Mary? Or how will this be? God, I'll do whatever it takes. God, I'll give whatever it needs to be done. God, I'll serve in whatever way I can. God, I'll, I'll give financially, even though I don't see the return that I might want to come from that. What are those moments of faithfulness that you can take? Because my God wants to do a tremendous work this Christmas. And I'm so excited for you guys to join us this Christmas Eve as we do it digitally on Christmas Eve together and see how God can move in our hearts and minds. God, I thank you so much for Zechariah. And God, of all the Grinches that we've looked at, He's really the one that I can relate to a lot. He's really the one that I can look to and I can say, man, boy, I think there's been times that I've been faithful in my life, but there's been a lot of times where I've been fearful. There's been a lot of times where I've been the focus and I haven't fully surrendered myself to you because I, I care about what other people think or, or I want to see the results for myself instead of just trusting that you will do it, God. God, I thank you so much that Christmas can be a time of second chances, an opportunity to come back and say, okay, let's try this again. Let's have a moment where I can take a stand and shine your light and bring your Savior, Jesus, into the world.
God, I pray that for every person who's listening to the sound of my voice right now will join together Christmas Eve as we come together online and we celebrate this holiest of day, God. And that there would be people in the room with them who maybe they know, maybe they love, maybe their family, maybe extended family, God. But they can share. And, and the message that you have, that you'll share this Christmas Eve, will be the hope of the world that will change the lives of all who hear it. God, I'm so excited for that. And thank you for the life of Zechariah. And thank you for the life of Mary. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at the Minerva's Convention Center. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, please check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website, yankton.church. You can also check us out on Facebook and YouTube at Celebrate Yankton.